Hello and welcome to the February 10th, 2021 edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. My name is Mr. Joe. This is my neighborhood. This is my life. But this is our podcast journey. Welcome to Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mr. Joe's Bipolar Podcast. It is awesome to have everybody here with me today. And of course, it's always wonderful to be out there with you, even if Mr. Joe is on a new platform, on a new hosting site, and completely overwhelmed by the simple fact that I am not used to this. I don't like the introduction music. I don't like the out music. But you know what? time for a change. Podbean just wasn't doing it right, guys. I couldn't do it anymore. So nevertheless, here I am and I am back and it is good to be back. I am planning on doing every week an episode on Wednesday. That has been my, um, after really examining my schedule and work and seeing where I am at during the week, this seems to be the only time in which I would be available to uh, do a podcast other than at night. And Lately at night, I have been so tired, guys. I'm just conking out like, you know, God, my eyes start closing like 9.30, 9, 9 o'clock, 9.30, you know, 10 o'clock maybe, the, the latest, although I was up rather late last night. Um, but, uh, you know, here I am. I'm back. And uh, please, try to get used to it. It's not going to be easy, everybody. I feel like there's not as much um, oomph into the introduction, but I don't have that introductory piece on this particular piece of software. So I'm going to go with the flow. I'm going to see how this works out. Believe it or not, this is a free hosting site, Anchor, it's called. Um, My podcasts are still available everywhere else. The only differences here, guys, is come, uh, come maybe a couple of weeks from now, possibly a little longer, you will start hearing ads in Mr. Joe's podcast. And believe me when I tell you, that is not something that I really want to do, but uh, I had two choices. Let me break it down for you. Um, my first choice was to build a studio, devote every waking moment and every penny that I have into creating an environment, a go-to place, a studio-like um, scenario where I can actually go and record my podcast and make money and not do my quote-unquote regular job that I've been doing for the last 22 years. So that was one choice. And if I did go that route in conjunction with that choice, I would be charging a monthly fee of 99 cents. And guess what? I don't want to do that. I cannot do that to my listeners. I just can't. Now, there's a patron button, something along those lines. Um, you know, uh, if you'd like to donate, I would never expect anybody to donate any more than you know a dollar a month. I think they have options for 99 cents, 4.99, 90. Listen, money is an issue nowadays. If you are able to donate, that would be amazing. You know, I'd really appreciate that. But if you can't, oh well, I'm not going anywhere, and I will try to build an income or develop a income, I guess you could call it, through advertisement. And that's, that's the best I could do in terms of getting paid, making money, and producing this podcast on a regular basis because it is so important for myself and everybody out there. 
Um, it, you know, the, the, the big issue here is, guys, as I stutter over my words, is, and I'm going to make this extremely brief, Mr. Joe has never been a dime short or a dollar late with child support payments. We all know that, but we also know Mr. Joe's belief on that type of situation. And a man who is making child support payments for a, a, a child or children that he created should not be pat on the back for the simple fact that I'm on time and I'm paying in full and all that stuff. However, and here's where the long story gets incredibly short. COVID came, Mr. Joe didn't work. I gave as much as I possibly could each month. Um, I believe I was off by about $300 short every month. Um, when I lost my job, I immediately filed for a support payment modification because that's what I was instructed to do. You lose your job, you go and you file. And then you protect yourself. And you show like, hey, judge, courts, look, I was unemployed. And being that COVID is still existing today and in some places even worse than ever in terms of employment or unemployment, I'm not making a whole lot of money as it is right now. So paying back that money that I never actually made, made because of no ability to work because of COVID, it would be basically impossible. Well, I will tell you this, guys, the judges and the court systems do not care about anything to the, to the point where my lawyer was even surprised. And here's what it comes down to. Mr. Joe has to pay back every single dime of that money. And my child support payments are astronomical. They've gone up quite a bit, and I honestly don't think I can cover them. So um, until I get some extra work, you know, which I'm hoping happens sooner than later, things are going to be extremely tight in the Mr. Joe household. And it just is what it is. I got to do what I got to do. And, and you know what? If that's not the scenario that plays out where it becomes tight, <laughs> the only other thing I could predict is Mr. Joe's going to jail. I mean, that's really what it comes down to because I just simply don't know if I can make those payments. I'm going to do my very best. Um, but it, it really is not fair. And, and again, guys, you know that I've never been one to complain about providing support to my children. I just don't understand. You know, one part of me says to myself, well, they're your children and you aren't working. And if you were giving your children money for a certain reason, well, when you started making money again, wouldn't you pay them? Wouldn't you give them more money? You know, for the money that you didn't give them? I mean, I, I, I guess, I guess that's the answer. But at the same time, if you give money that you never made and that you don't currently have, what good is that setting you up for the future in terms of continuing to provide support for your children? So I don't know the answer to that, everybody. What I do know is I have a payment to make and I'll make it. And any little bit that I get extra helps. I'm back at work. I'm not working full time. Um, I am back in the field that I once loved. Uh, in and out, I should say. I'm doing quite a few things, actually. Um, but for the most part, I'm trying my best to make ends meet. And as a matter of fact, my employment right now is actually going to lead us to our very first topic that I think we need to discuss after migrating over to our new podcast host. So now, I don't have a name for this podcast yet. But thinking off the top of my head uh, I mean we could name this look at 
what kind of an idiot I used to be. <laughs> or, oh my goodness, I can't believe that was me one time. Or, oh my God, would you listen to this person? Did those words also actually come out of my mouth? Now, obviously, those titles are a bit too long, and we're going to cut down to the chase here, and I will explain to you what I am exactly referring to, but let's set the scenario up first of all, guys, okay? Mr. Joe enters into a daycare setting for the very, oh, excuse me, I was going to say for the very first time. It was actually the second time that I went to see this young little girl who is just absolutely adorable, second time that I was within this um, daycare environment, and I, I mistakenly said first time because the subject of our podcast today, well, it was the first time that I had met that particular individual because she had not worked the first day that I was there, and if anybody could take a long shot into guessing as to why, well, it really doesn't take much of a, you know, a, a, the ability to guess, really, is what it comes down to. It comes down to COVID. You know, she was in quarantine. Did she have it? No. Did she walk in and say one day, um, oh, I have a headache? Yes. And they said, get out. And that's the way it is, guys. I mean, right now, and, and amazingly enough, and this is another reason, I hate to go back to the child support, but listen to this, this particular young little girl that I'm working with, this this situation that I'm referring to, well, I, I'm supposed to be there five days a week, and guess what? I wasn't there yesterday, I'm not there today, I won't be there tomorrow, and there's a good chance I won't be there Friday. Why? Because the child is in quarantine, because she woke up with a cough. Guys, I get it. We need to be extremely diligent, extremely careful with what we do in this day and age, but man, oh man, does it make it difficult for a person to make a living especially when you are surrounded within a field of people who have to quarantine, and if they are quarantining, you are not able to work. So it's a disaster for me. This is a full week where I am not getting paid for one particular case, and it's killing me. And make matters worse, listen to this, next week, three of my students, they followed the school district schedule. So... I don't get paid all that week. Man, guys, there's a lot going on. I do have an idea as to what to do for next week in terms of uh, making some extra money. I'm going to do my very best to accomplish that, but there's no, no replacing the amount of money that I could make with the cases that I work for. Um, so, nevertheless, back to the scenario. We are with the little girl and the new staff member that I met on my second day and her first day. And let me describe it to you. I'm Mr. Joe's 45 years old. This particular young lady is 23 years old. And I have to say, I was extremely impressed with her ability to handle behaviors, her overall knowledge of behavior management, her skill set in terms of working with children with autism. And I got to tell you, it was not so surprising once she started to reveal her history to me and indicated that her brother, who's three years younger than her at the age of 20, has autism. So she's been dealing with that her entire life. Now, I gained hold of that information, didn't ask for it, but it was given to me. After that, I mean, directly after that, somehow, some way, this young woman 
decided to inform me that her father had just passed. And if anybody knows anything about that, it's Mr. Joe. And I turned to her and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, um, mine just recently passed as well. And, and it's, it's so amazing, guys, because after I said that, I am so used to being ridiculed and tortured and, you know, um, just completely dumbfounded by the way that people react to certain things that I say and do, especially at work. And I almost feel like me telling this person that my father passed away is revealing too much personal information. So at least I'm conscious of it. And let me tell you something, I was even more aware and conscious of it as this young girl continued to spew these words out of her mouth. And guys, I know that we have spoken about this on so many different occasions. I mean, we have spoken about the inability to shut our mouths, the inappropriateness when we're manic, the things that come out of our mouths, that when we look back, we cannot believe that we said those things. We've talked about being on Facebook, being on social media, writing things that you know, make absolutely zero sense. In the, in, and, and at the same time, you're revealing so much personal information about yourself. It's just very, very frightening to even think that a bipolar mind can go ahead and do something like that. But it is what it is, guys, and that's what we do. We are bipolar, and we have a tendency to not shut up, to overshare information that, unfortunately, a lot of times comes back and kicks us in the butt when we least expect it. And that has happened to Mr. Joe on thousands of occasions. So you would think at this point by now, Mr. Joe would learn, but it is very simple, everybody. It takes practice. It takes time. It takes self-awareness. Because let me tell you something. No matter how hard I try, I always find myself, when I am overly manic, really, really battling with the concept of keeping my mouth shut. I, I, I almost can't do it. I almost can't do it. And I don't know if that's the narcissism that comes out where now I'm starting to look for attention. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the reasoning is. Or is it simply, you know, go back a couple episodes ago, guys. Why does the brain shift? I don't know. All I know is the chemicals are all out of whack. And at this point now, I just don't care what I say. And that's a big problem. But back to our little 23-year-old friend, okay? Because this is, again, the basis of our story. So again, just as a reminder, uh, this is uh, a young woman who's already now shared the fact that her father passed away and how close they were. You gotta keep that in mind because this is really, really important as I continue to tell the story. Again, now, she's talented, as I mentioned. Uh, I'm watching her, I'm listening to her. Um, again, somewhat baffled by the fact that this 23-year-old woman uh, has enough training or enough personal experience where she could do what she does. So, it was great to see, and I really enjoyed her company, and that was until I started to get extremely uncomfortable for two reasons. One, because I could not believe the things that were coming out of her mouth and the things that this woman was sharing. And two, my distractibility became so intense because of the simple fact that so many of the statements 
I could envision myself saying or doing or complaining about and literally not just having a filter. Now, I don't know the daycare directors very well. I mean, again, I had met them one time before this. I had spoken to them on the phone quite a few times. But um, other than that, I really didn't know them well enough or know this girl well enough to be talking about anybody. But Let's cut to the chase. I mean, one of the first things that she did was she bad-mouthed those directors like there was no tomorrow. I mean, no patience, don't, do not treat the children kindly, um, they have their favorites, you know, all these things that I'm listening to. And I have to be honest with you, I don't even know if I believe them because if I did believe it, it'd be a big problem. The problem is here, I truly believe that in order to boost herself up even more so, she had to put the other ones that she worked with down to not only show that she was more talented than them, but to show that she's the superhero who has come flying in with the cape, you know, super 23-year-old who knows autism and behaviors. I'm going to save the day. And, you know, I kind of gave her that opening to go ahead and do so. So right off the bat, she started to remind me of the young me or not so young me, the uh, unmedicated me, who really just wanted some kind of acknowledgement, um, you know, for what I did. And, and if I did receive that acknowledgement, just like she did, it almost opened the door for me to continue and just brag, you know, report about, mention, whatever the word might be about, you know, some of my accolades and all the things that I've done and how much better I am than this one and that one. And, that's exactly what went down. I mean, it was, it was quite frightening, to be honest with you. So now, on top of that, she is sharing all kinds of information. All kinds of information about what? About her mental health. So, from autism with the brother, we now switch over to, I also believe, this is her speaking, I also believe the young girl that I'm working with has somewhat of a mental health issue on top of autism. And yes, that's possible, everybody. You know, children and adults with autism are not immune to anxiety and depression and bipolar and schizophrenia. A lot of children and adults with autism in the past have had their diagnosis mistaken for schizophrenia because of self-talking and something that we call echoalia, where they repeat phrases and words either um, immediately or in a delayed fashion in which you hear them, you know, given their favorite shows, lines, some mention, you know, Dora the Explorer, whatever, Peppa Pig. I mean, you guys could see that 45 years old, Mr. Joe is already now within the realm of the new, you know, kids programs. I think the only thing that's stayed the same but kind of changed has been the Wiggles. <laughs> they used to be all guys, and now there's a girl in there. Um, but nevertheless, so she shares with me the fact that she has a, not, a lot of knowledge about mental health. And I said, well, that's great. Um, how do you have so much knowledge? Well, because I was just recently diagnosed with bipolar. I said, dear God, here we go. Here we go. And, and here's the crazy thing, guys. And I would not be honest if I didn't say these things, but I literally had to force myself. I mean, you know, if I had glue, I would have shut my mouth with glue because it was so hard to control the fact that the rebuttal, the follow-up statement of her statement normally would have been, oh my goodness, I do too. Oh my God, I do. I have it too. 
but I didn't. Instead, I, <laughs> I dig down a little bit deeper and probably ask questions that I should not have, you know, but whatever. At least I wasn't exposing such, you know, information about myself. Um, you know, I asked, I said, well, what kind of bipolar do you have? Is it bipolar one? Is it bipolar two? Because at this point now, I'm starting to get a sense that this woman is nothing but a liar, honestly. Um, so she tells me she has bipolar one. And I say, you know, and, and I asked one, two, I was going to get all crazy on a rapid cycling, start mixing in some stuff, because, you know, if you have a diagnosis or you know anything about bipolar disorder, if you've listened to Mr. Joe, if you've studied it, if you've tried to figure out what the hell is wrong with you, um, you know, you usually know about those different kinds of bipolars, or at least when you hear about it, it's not going to sound like it's from another planet. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't, I just, I really wanted to see if she was you know, BSing me. But she uh, came back immediately with the bipolar one and, um, you know, informed me that her moods are up and down and up and down. And I said, yeah, I go, it's tough. I go, but once you find the right medication, you know, you will be all right, you know, and that, that, that'll be it. And she turned to me and she says, here we go. She says, well, you know, I feel like I, I thought I found the right medication, but the problem is this medication is not addressing all of my issues. I said, holy God, I, I don't believe this. I said, we're still going. Here goes Mr. Female Joe, just, you know, looking for every bit of attention that she could possibly get, dear God. Um, she goes on to tell me that she has an, a severe eating disorder. Uh, now, guys, listen. All right. This is all transpiring within an eight to ten minute time frame. This is not, and I was there for two hours, this particular session. This is not, you know, 2.05, she started. By 2.30, I knew that her dad died. 2.50, I knew she was bipolar. No, 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 no. This is towards, I was there from 2 to 3 and 3 to 4. Right around the 2.15 mark, this is when it all started. I guess she developed a comfortability, uh, you know, level with me over the past hour where she felt that she could trust me, whatever the case may be. But I will tell you this, according to her, she will binge and binge and binge and eat and eat and eat and then vomit it all up. Which we know is a mental health disorder. Which reminds me, as a matter of fact, very interestingly enough, Mr. Joe's never reported on that. I don't have one single episode on that mental illness, on that mental health disorder. The disorder that to some degree I have myself but in the opposite way, or at least a somewhat similar way, but concerned more about more or different things about my body, where, you know, we have people that eat so much and then they throw, they throw up because they're obsessed with, you know, having a certain weight. And then we have the other end of the spectrum, like a Mr. Joe, who's so concerned every time he looks in the mirror, oh my God, did my arms get smaller? You know, how many, I, I can't tell you the number of times. Now, I keep these comments to myself now, but dear Lord, in the past, I'd wake up, I'd look at myself in the mirror, and I'd go over to my wife, and I'd grab her, and I'd say, look what's happening. What? What's the matter? My arms, they're, they're like half the size they were. They look like two spaghetti strands. And she would look at me and be like, well, what's wrong with you? Like, what on earth is wrong with you? The, the sad thing is, one of two things was going on at that particular time. Number one, I was either looking for my wife to do exactly what she did. Are you crazy? You know, like, oh my goodness. It's, you know, 
those, those are not, you got beautiful arms, okay? Oh, oh they're beautiful. Um, what was the other thing? God, I don't even remember. Well, probably <laughs> that's about it. I w no, I shouldn't say that. I was either looking for that compliment or with all due respect, I probably felt that way at that particular time because I'll say it now. I just, I'm in my car right now, okay? I just I, If you hear some beeping, that's a truck backing up. I, I apologize for that, but I just left the gym. And I, and I saved this um, particular statement for the fact that I knew I'd have to say it on here. I can't tell you the number of times I walk past the gym mirror and I, I don't look at my body. I don't look at my face necessarily. I look over at my arms and I, and I say, you know, I look and I say, are they small? Are they big? You know, and I, I, I try to look at different angles. I, I mean, that's a sickness. That's a sickness. Now, at least I'm not as crazy as I used to be with the protein and the eating and the every two hours. I mean, I get on my kicks. Don't get me wrong. But man, oh man, that's, that's a serious thing, you know. And I don't know what's worse, you know, wanting to be gigantic and, and you know, muscular and, you know, have veins and be strong. And, or if you want to be nice and thin or skinny. And it's scary, guys. It really is. And if you think about the two ends of the spectrum, you know, the ones that are anorexic that are suffering from that horrible mental health issue, you know, they're the ones that are on the treadmill and they look like they're 100 pounds or you know, 95 pounds and they're six feet and they're jogging and running and, you know, still trying to lose weight. And then you turn your head and then you got the big monster who's walking through the doors who could barely fit through it because his arms and his brain and his body is just so big because he's a juice head, a.k.a. Mr. Joe, which is what I used to be as far as I'm concerned. You know, I, I didn't, for many, many years of my life, I didn't. I cheated. I was a cheat. There's, there's not many baseball players in this world, sadly, sports figures, things of that nature that will come out. I mean, they lie to Congress. They lie to everybody. I didn't do, do steroids. I didn't take them. That was all me. Guess what? That's a lie. Because I'll be the first one to admit it. For years, I was sticking a needle in my butt. Now, listen, I still do, but it's for medical reasons, and I don't take them as, um, you know, as a steroid component. I take it, unfortunately, as a low testosterone enhancer. And, you know, when you take steroids, you pump them into your body every five to seven days, sometimes every three, depending on the cycle that you're doing. You know, Mr. Joe wouldn't dare. I mean, you know, once every 14 days, which is, again, it's just maintenance of a level of testosterone. Um, Kind of to counteract, I guess you would say, the medication that I'm on. So I, that, so I actually have a life, you know, in terms of a sexual life, if I'm being blunt. So anyway, I know here I am. Mr. Joe's going off on some tangents today, that's for sure. Um, so we have now, dad, is, dad has passed away. I have bipolar one. I'm anorexic or bulimic. And forgive me, guys, this is why I absolutely need to do a podcast on those mental illnesses because I'm not sure of the two. I'm almost positive the bulimia is the one where you throw up. All right, so let's just say, dad, bulimic, bipolar one, um, very, very, very hurt by the fact that her, her, her father had passed. And I even made a comment, you know, my father passed and he was my best friend because he was. You know, she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I said, eh, one day we'll see them again, you know. And then finally, after about, you know, seven minutes of revealing her entire life to me, 
She turns to me and she says, and here's the kicker, why I am just so messed up in my head. I said, oh, what's the matter now? <laughs> my entire life, well, get ready for this, guys. My entire life, I was sexually molested by my dad. I almost fell off my chair, honestly. You know, I mean, this is a woman who seven minutes ago now was telling me how close she was with her father. I mean, guys, I mean, she almost started to cry over his death. You know, like tearing up. Now, forgive me if I'm incorrect or off, off target here in saying this, but I was not sexually abused. I was emotionally abused and psychologically abused throughout my entire life by my mother. And if it wasn't me, it was my sister. And if, if my sister was getting it, I was feeling bad for her. And this went on into our adulthood until I finally stopped talking to my mother. Why? Because I was abused. And guess what? I don't forgive her. You know how many episodes back you can go? I, I believe I even made an episode about learning to forgive those that you love. You know, those that are mentally ill, because we can't control it. Until we get the help that we need, until we help ourselves, there's no controlling it. And you know what? Do I blame my mother for not getting the help that she desperately needs? Yes, I do. I do. People will question that and they'll say, well, don't people with narcissism or narcissistic people, like, don't they not even know that they have it? And yes, you might be right, but you know what? At some point, you have to trust in your loved ones and know that they're telling you things not to hurt you, not to insult you, not to make, essentially and finally, you know, bring you down a notch to help you understand that you're not God's gift on this green earth. You're just simply somebody that loves this person and is giving advice out of concern and the fact that, you know, I want a relationship with you again. I, I do remember good times. Sadly, and here's the saddest thing of all, is the good times that I remember with my mother are always generated back to me performing something really good and her seeing me perform it or knowing that I performed it cheering, hugging, kissing, speaking about how proud she was, making 10,000 phone calls to the family members that she hadn't lost already. Oh, my Joey did this, my Joey did that, my Joey, my Joey, my... You know what? Your Joey was an extension of you, and if your Joey got a 72 on his math test, you didn't talk to me for a week and a half. Your Joey was so self-conscious about his self and his life that the moment I flew through a windshield from a car accident, and yes, I went through a windshield and had to have surgery on my big nose that my mother made sure she let me know, oh, your nose is big, but it's beautiful. I made sure once my nose was displaced from the center where it belonged and it was over on the right side of my face, like completely cracked in half and crushed and clearly needed surgery, I said, you know what? I got a big nose. My mother said, I got a big nose. That's, that's an imperfection. So what does Mr. Joe go and do? He gets his nose fixed and before he goes under the knife, he says, you know what, Doc? Make me look like a movie star. How does that sound? Okay, but, and, and honestly, that's what I thought. <laughs> that's what I thought I looked like, okay? I thought I was Mr. Joe movie star, okay? And when I came out from under that knife, 
my God, what a, what, a, what an experience that plastic surgery was, by the way. I mean, mainly because it was reconstructive surgery because my nose was crushed. But, oh, my God, man, it was not your typical nose job, you know, where people get the black eyes. You know, they get the crap in their nose. They got to pull it out. I mean, you know, the whatever. Nevertheless, uh, you know, I, I really struggled for almost a year, to be honest with you. Um, but you know what? It was well worth it in that day and age because I had a big nose and because I was so self-conscious of the fact that people looked at me as anything less than perfect. And that bothered me. And you want to know something? I can almost guarantee the people that did like me and did care about me and did think I was a genuinely nice guy before I got my nose job, well, you know what? Afterwards, they probably turned around and said, what the hell did he do that for? What did he do that for? What a moron. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Yet, you know, I'm, I'm more concerned not about the people that already care about me, but the people that are watching me and looking at me and don't know me enough well enough and they're preparing to judge me. So at least I could put a portrait out there that everybody thinks I'm perfect. So I don't know where we got off on this tangent, guys. All I know is that Oh, here we go. That was actually easy for Mr. Joe. Uh, abuse. I was psychologically, emotionally abused, and it's very simple, as I said, regardless of the episodes that I put out in the past, because I've tried to forgive my mother. I tried to forgive her based on the fact that I really thought she had borderline personality disorder, and, you know, you could get a breakthrough with that. There's a breakthrough. It really is. There's, there's, there's more insecurities that are, that are visible, you know, when there's borderline personality disorder. You know, they, they, borderline personality disorder, we, our thoughts may be skewed, and when we think nobody likes us, you know, we're probably incorrect, and it doesn't matter whether we're incorrect or not, like, we think what we think, and... You know, the reason why no one's giving me a like on Facebook or a like on Twitter or responding to my comments is because everybody hates me. You know, I thought, I thought that if I forgave her, you know, those are the kinds of things that we could move past. Um, but, but guys, a narcissist that doesn't get help, it's, it's just not possible. Which is, you know, and maybe it's because I, I saw it in myself and I know how difficult it is to change and I know how difficult it is to stay changed and sometimes you know narcissists we have to you know catch ourselves and think about exactly what we're saying what we're doing and remind ourselves how you know when our loved ones who were narcissists also when they did that to us how it made us feel the unfortunate thing is guys you know we 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 learn what we live really and we act on what we learn and, you know, I learned a lot from my mother, and I was a narcissist, and I still am. But I'm one that recognizes it, and one that's embarrassed about it, and one that thinks it's a disgusting, disgraceful disorder. So I can correct it. She can't. And I'm not forgiving her. So you tell me, and maybe I'm off here. Send me an email, Mr. Mr. Joe BP at yahoo.com. I even have a new one. Bipolar podcast at yahoo.com. 
send one to either one. And you let me know if Mr. Joe is wrong. And I will take it. I will take it. You tell me. Yell at me. Scream at me. As a matter of fact, guys, oh my goodness, Anchor allows you to leave messages now, voice messages. So please call me. I don't know exactly how to do it, but I know if you go to the Anchor website, on my Mr. Joe's podcast website, there's an option. You just press it, leave a message. Boom, I can hear your voices. We can talk to one another. Tell me, am I wrong? Is it normal to forgive somebody who sexually abuses you your entire life? I don't know. By the way, a massive 100 vehicle pileup. Hold on one second has turned deadly, and the images of the aftermath are horrifying. When on earth am I going to get a good news thing to come through? I can't take it, guys. Every time I turn around, I mean, now they told, I think now we have to wear 5,000 masks. I don't know if that's the newest thing, you know, to to avoid. And, you know, 5,000 masks actually makes it 92.8 effective against the virus. I'm so tired. I'm so done. And you know what? I lost loved ones. And it, it breaks my heart. It's disgusting, this world we live in. And I'll follow all the rules. And I'll do everything that I'm supposed to. But I'm also going to open my big fat mouth and tell everybody I'm done. I can't stand it anymore. I don't like the world we live in. And you know what? There's not enough support for those of us that are suffering with a mental illness. We are the ones that are in the most danger. We are the ones that are abusing drugs. And, and, and I'll say it. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care anymore. And I know I just said this in the last one. If person A can talk about their recovery from cancer based on the radiation and the chemotherapy and stand up in front of a crowd and say, I am a survivor. If a person who has no legs can go in a wheelchair and say, I lost my legs in a car accident but I could shoot a basketball and I could drive around and look at how much, how far I've come. If a person can say, I had a cold, a flu, a coronavirus, and I took medicine and I've recovered and I feel great now. Why the hell can I stand up and say, I was a drug addict, I'm a mental case, but I'm somebody who has come a very long way, and I don't do drugs anymore. And I am in control of my mind, and I'm proud of myself. So be proud. Be proud of yourself. And you know what? If you're not even where Mr. Joe should be, you know, if you're not where I am right now, and again, I'm not in the greatest place ever, okay? But if you're not there, and you're simply working towards it, and you know something is wrong, and... You haven't figured it all out yet, but you're working towards it and you're listening to me and you're studying and you're researching and you know what? Maybe you're still abusing drugs because you just can't get a grip onto what the hell is going on, but you still know something's going on. Well, you know what? You're on your path to recovery and you deserve credit. You deserve credit because there are billions of people out there that just don't want to get help and don't care and have no desire to do so. It's just as simple as that, which is why we will stay a family and we will work on this together. Just, hey, make sure you're not oversharing too much because that will certainly get us in trouble. And I think that's a great way to 
And today, because I have not shut up for a long time, listen, if you are living with a mental illness and you're doing well, I ask that you continue to work hard. If you love or you care about somebody with a mental illness, I ask that you continue to support that person the best way that you know how. And that may not be in any way at all. Um, And listen, if you're struggling right now with a mental illness or drug addiction, I ask you to keep fighting, keep battling, and most importantly, soldier on. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you guys real soon. Have a great day.